Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 278. In the dark of the night, Eva will find her, doom her. Hi, Julius. Hello, Albert. How are you doing today? All right. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I hear that it's a little bit dark outside. Maybe night has fallen. It Night has fallen here, yes. Night falls early around these parts, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I think that's a problem all over this time of year. Maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should do a board game about how cold and dark it is outside. Mm, I had a game about that. I didn't keep it. I see. What was it? It was a game about keeping a fire going all night long. I recall that one. But today <laughs> has no real keeping fires going. It is about night, I suppose. And um, but only coincidentally, because it's also about nights. As in big old armored guys. We are talking today about Nightfall. That is night with a K. Because they want to to make it a humorous pun, but possibly difficult to find if someone says, hey, I'm playing Nightfall. (laughs) Yeah, it it takes a few tries to find the game, doesn't it? So this is a this I had not heard about this game before. Um, It has snuck up on me. It is a game by Red Raven Games, which is a quite well-known publisher designed by, um, what's his name, Ryan Lacout, Lacout and Ryan somebody Lockout. else. Okay. And someone else whose name I don't recall. He is well-known for games like Above and Below and Near and Far and, and other really neat games. Mm-hmm. So knowing that made me really interested in hearing about this because I seem to recall he's not all that into solo games. So any him making something that is solo playable. I mean, I think that those other games have solo modes. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I know some of the stuff Sleeping Gods does. Okay, yeah. Above and Below doesn't, but Near and Far did come up with one later, which I think was designed by a BGG user, actually. Uh I might be wrong. Nonetheless, this one has a solo mode. It's actually a cooperative mode, straight baked Mm -hmm. into the box. But before we get into talking about the solo mode, let's perhaps talk about what the game itself is. Okay. So Nightfall, it's a skirmishy type game where you are playing theoretically as either the night team or the demon team. And the night team is attempting to repel the demon invaders, prevent them from being able to last through the game. And primarily they're playing a defensive game. There are nine or excuse me, eight elders around the board and the demons are trying to kill all the elders If the demons manage to kill enough elders, then they have broken open the sealed portal and they've won. They've managed to get enough points to be able to win a victory and unleash the portals to the demon world. If the knights can defend and prevent the elders from being killed, they will last out enough rounds to themselves earn enough points and seal away the demons. So it's one side against the other side in this battle. A lot of the time you're going to be killing the other side, but the knights have a lot more defensive focus and the demons have a lot more offensive type of focus. Mm -hmm. Is this the kind of game where you're playing one character or a team of characters? You're playing a team of characters. There will always be for each side two characters and maybe some minions out. Even if one of your characters goes down, immediately another one comes out to replace them. So you're always playing as a team. You're always playing as two, but they may be cycling through multiple characters among the, I think it's 10 for each side. Oh, okay. 
And if you're playing multiplayer, are you still playing multiple characters, or like if you are still playing your well, if you're playing multiplayer, that depends on how many players you're playing at. Okay. Um, if you're playing with, let's see here, it depends on the player count. Theoretically, at lower player counts, it may be like if you have less than two people on a side, one person will play with two characters. Otherwise, everyone will play with one of their own character, but the character that you have may cycle through because, again, if your character mm -hmm. goes down, you immediately get another one. And you will find throughout the game that quite often characters are going down. Interesting. Okay, so that's interesting. That reminds me of Arkham Horror a bit, where characters tend to die. I, oh, you're not talking about the card game. Not necessarily, no. Yeah, no, in that one, when you die, you're... You're out, you're out for the rest of the game, but you could come back next game. But yeah, I digress. But no, in this one, it's very commonplace, and it's just sort of the sort of thing you just roll with as you're going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it sounds like it's part of the experience, actually. It very much is part of the experience, and you just sort of have to approach that. In and I think I discussed this when we were talking about skirmish games recently. That kind of helps, or that very much helps the feeling of not of. of not feeling too oppressed when your character dies because it just sort of feels like the way things go. Mm -hmm. Okay. And all the characters are pretty cool. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, so, yeah. So if your character dies, you're going to get to play something else. It's also interesting. That's exactly. Well, neat. Possibly so, even better for your team at the moment. Oh, <laughs> ah, you could use it to your advantage even then. Interesting. Definitely. Sometimes. So, so you told me about the theme. Do you want to talk about the components next, or maybe the rules? Let me let me talk about the components. So, in terms of components, the game is made with standees. There's no minifigures mm -hmm. for the different guys. There's standees. Um, there's standees for the knights, and there's standees for the demons. There's standees for those elders I mentioned, which are sort of like the thing you're trying to defend or attack depending on which side you're at. And then there's standees for the minions. So demons have two types of minions. Knights have three types of minions. The demons mess around with minions a lot more. It's sort of a core to all of the demons stuff is that they mess with minions. And for knights, really, it's it's only it's less prevalent. Less of them deal with the minions. Uh, but they're there. So they're all their own standees. Commenting about the standees, the art is very good. I think that all of it is very expressive. It's well-designed. My only concern is that there's really not a lot of differentiation between them. All of them are a character on a blue background, as opposed to somehow making the, the for example, the demons could have been on a white background or uh, a yeah. darkish background, or they could have had purple on the bottom or they could have had a red frame or something to make them immediately distinguishable as being demons as opposed to the knights, because all of them look just a little bit fantastic. Um, there is a, there is a dude, like for example, there's a knight who has fire wreathing his body and there's a demon girl who has this red cloud wreathing her body. And so you might be confused, like, which is which? And then you can't mm -hmm. even always say, well, the knights are the armor-looking guys, because A, 
there's one knight who has not a whole lot of armor on, and I don't mean like, she, like her armor is her armor is cloth. She has a cloth garb on with a little bit of armor on on the feet. Mm-hmm. And then there's a demon who is an ice knight, who's essentially an ice knight. He even has an ice shield, and works very similar to how the knights do with being able to use shield points. So there's a lot of similarities between some certain things, and that can be confusing if you're not familiar with the characters about which is which. Now, mm-hmm. in practice, I think that it mostly comes out on the wash because, again, mm-hmm. you're only going to have two or maybe three characters per side, and you'll kind of quickly know like which side is which. You'll be very familiar with what it is that they're doing, especially when... You know, one guy steps up to the plate and just bats away your whole team. Like, I'm not going to forget this one anytime soon. It was <laughs> annoying. So yeah. you, you start to see it. There's not a whole lot. And they each have a pretty primal introduction as they all slam down to the board when they come back into the fight. I just wish that there was a better way of denoting it. Even there could have been. So all of them are on standees and all of them have stands. The publisher elected to use clear plastic stands for all of them. I have not bought colored stands for them because at this time point, I've gotten used to it and I know it. But I remember when I got it out and I was learning, I was like, why didn't they use colored stands? Like use white and purple for each respective side. They use a similar color scheme throughout much of the rest. So why not use white and purple? But... (laughs) They didn't. I guess they didn't want to cover up any of the art, even with the standy stand, but makes for a little bit of an issue. Yeah, it, it seems like it seems like it's a little bit of an issue, but something you quickly get over. Yeah. The board itself is made up of location tiles. The location tiles are all double-sided. So on one side, there's the main cathedral where the actual game is done. Then the other side is some outdoorsy stuff. You can either use the outdoorsy stuff as a variant, or if you're playing through the full campaign, which is primarily a solo campaign. Hmm. If I know, if you're playing through the solo campaign, um, there are other lo- that you'll use those location tiles in different settings and things. So it's not where you, when you play and you pick like four indoor and five outdoor, so randomly if, and play. That there's outdoor. a variant where you could do that. Oh, okay. Um. But the game is primarily set to not do it that way. Okay. It could because it doesn't make too much of a difference. But like the story of the game is that it's at the cathedral and they broke through the cathedral where the portal was. And like the story of the game is that it's all inside. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, as part of the. It doesn't work great. Yeah, thematically, it doesn't work great. As part of the campaign, I've played with different configurations and different settings for the indoor and outdoor stuff. So I don't think it makes a huge difference. It would definitely change things up. But it's, I mean, it's not how it's made. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. It's wrong if you do it that way. That's just essentially what I'm coming out to. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you do what you're gonna do, but it's wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in terms of some of the other components, so those are the the biggest type of components. 
there is also some, uh, well, there's a whole bunch of cards. The primary cards that you're going to be using are going to be either the night power cards, or the demon power cards. Everyone's going to be having a hand of three of those generally. And then one basic card, which sort of looks like a power card, but has less icons on it because it does less stuff. It's a basic one. Mm-hmm. Those have on the top of them icons you can use for basic actions, and on the bottom have like a special power that most of them can use. Some of them don't have a special power, but most of them do. Knight cards are blue, demon cards are purple, and you'll keep drawing those and being able to use those to power your cards. Uh, there's some player aid cards, and there's knight and demon cards. So the these are slightly larger tarot-sized cards, Uh, that go in front of you with a picture of your guy and then his special powers and spots for you to lay tokens to track his health and then for the knights to track his defense amounts because you'll be storing up defense to be able to use those to defend yourself or the elders against other attacks. Uh, And then finally, there's a victory point card. So even though the point of the game is either to be offensive or defensive, it kind of comes down to scoring points, but the points are different based on which side you're on. Okay. For the demons, they're going to be scoring points, two points every time they kill an elder and one point every time they kill a knight. So they're very much encouraged to try and keep killing things and especially try to kill those poor defenseless elders. Knights get a point every time they kill a demon, but they also just get a free point every round. So all they have to do is just keep surviving, and theoretically, if they survive for nine rounds, they'll win. Um, the game, by default, gives knights a bonus point at the end, at the beginning of the game, rather. If you're playing solo or if you're familiar with the game, the knights don't get that bonus point. Uh, I don't think they need that bonus point. <laughs> um, but yeah. That's the way at least it's supposed to work. So this is just a little turn track with some tokens, some little meeple type things uh, that you use to move around the track so that you can keep track of who has enough victory points and who's gotten to the end. Okay. There are a, interesting. One last thing. Okay. There are a couple uh, things that are used in the solo slash cooperative modes. There's some cooperative cards and then there's some village cards or relic cards. I'll come back and discuss those more when I discuss how the solo and campaign mode works. Okay. I like it. It sounds interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing more. It sounds like it's an asymmetric kind of game and, and it sounds like both sides have interesting uh, ways of playing them from, from what you're saying. Indeed. So I'm already excited about this game. When Not, did it come out? It's new, right? It's relatively new. Yes, it is. I think it's this year. Yeah, it's this year. It's a 2022 game. Okay. Recently this year? Or Recently I, this year. Like okay, a yeah, month and a half, two months. Ah, uh, so it was maybe like an SN release. SN-ish. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe Gen Con. Okay. So first let me just mention the rules. Um they're they're okay (laughs) they mostly they don't really describe i I found myself (laughs) having to consult them a lot they aren't going through and like linearly explaining through the whole version of the game it more feels like they're kind of a reference it teaches you concepts and then you just sort of have to plug the concepts in where you need to so 
it tells you how to play the game, but for example, it doesn't tell you about defense until later and how does it they do. Like it says the basic idea with the cards, but then it goes through different cards and actions and effects and things that they do later on. It it wasn't the easiest to learn, but it was it was doable and it makes for a good reference when you're trying to look at thing look things up later. Okay. Yeah, so, it's it's a nice clean looking rule book too. It looks like it's easy to follow once when you know what you're looking for. So it looks like it's easy to find things in it. Yes. Clear text, lots of space, lots of images on every page. It's, it's good yes. to reference. Yeah. Yeah. So that is so that is that about the rules. Let me start talking about the gameplay since I can already hear Albert getting a little bit excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> So it is an asymmetric game. It's lightly asymmetric as opposed to heavily asymmetric. So this isn't a root, for example. Okay. Um, yeah. Mostly it's going to work the same type of way. You're going to have those cards. And again, it's card management, action selection, multi-use card type thing. Because the cards will have either their primary ability or their icon, their secondary ability. So you can either use it for its primary ability or use it for the icons. Um, the icons can do different things. So, for example, you can use a sword to attack for melee, uh, which means attack someone on the same spot as you. You can use an arrow to attack ranged. You can use a boot to move. You can use a heart to heal. Every character has a magic spell that they can cast, uh, and that takes two magic icons. Um, the knights can increase their defense value with the shield. The demons can use an imp icon to command an imp and make them take actions for you. So you could just use them for its icon. And those are pretty basic, but they're kind of core because they provide a level of consistency for the sort of actions you want to do. If you were just reliant on the primary effect of a cards, you wouldn't have a lot of consistency about the type of things that you're doing you'd just be stuck with whatever card it is that you have. Mm-hmm. And then there's the primary ability on the card. So all of the cards have a full text that they have. I think they're all unique and they all do different things. Like they let you do a special attack or set up a fire wave or a poison cloud or all sorts of things. And yeah. in general, those are pretty powerful, but again, they're more limited on their applicability and effect because they do one thing. And if you don't want that right now, it's not nearly as useful. So for example, mm-hmm. if it's a card that gives you a really powerful heal spell and you don't need healing, well, the fact that it's really powerful doesn't really matter to <laughs> you. Do One thing I'm seeing in this, it doesn't seem to be a lot of ways to track health is the characters die very you said they die easily do you just like get hit and die immediately or so each of the player cards has a health track on the bottom of them and you'll have Ah, a little heart token that you'll use to track when you're taking damage but each character only has six damage that they can take and it's not uncommon to do six damage in a turn you will usually (laughs) play three cards around plus your basic action and a basic action. So your basic action cards, they can't do a whole lot, but they can be used to do a magic spell. And often a magic spell does two damage, but between three cards, 
each card on average does two damage. If you're starting right next to another dude, you can just unleash on him. And yeah, he's, he's dead. That's, that's about how that works. So there's going to be a I mentioned that they just die. And the answer is they just die. And (laughs) you kind of have to be used to it. That is interesting. Yeah, you do not get attached to your characters <laughs> at all in this game. Hmm, okay. So all of those cards, they all do they all do interesting things. They all do all sorts of things. And tied together with the magic abilities, they all do all sorts of things. Um, the locations will sometimes have different effects. And a lot of, of the, there's just a lot of things going around. Mostly, though, it's a lot of very tactical type of things. This is not one where you have any action you want access to. You could go around where if you're wanting to lay into them with, for example, if you're a spot away and you say, hey, I'm a spot away. If I got six arrows, I'd just unleash six arrows on him and kill him. But you drew no arrows. At that point in time, well, can you move in? Are you going to be taking disengagement attacks? Like, if you're in a spot with an enemy and you move away from the enemy, they get a free attack on you, so you take a free damage. Uh, So mm -hmm. can you take that? Do you want to move away from them? Is that the sort of thing you want to deal with? Is it important to go kill them? If you don't, what's going to be their crackback? There's a whole lot of different things to consider. And as I just mentioned, if you're standing next to a dude, they may just unload on you. So if you're coming up in on them and you're standing next to them because you tried to kill them, but you didn't quite get them. You got them down to like one health. Well, their, their counter attack may just kill you. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of push and pull on that. So you have sort of these big swings. It feels like many of the turns have big actions that you can take, but it's followed by a big action and return. And a lot of that feels nice while you're playing through it to be able to take those big actions. Everything, everything feels like it's dramatic and effective, I, I believe is generally what you get is a good explanation for that sort of thing. Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting. So it sounds like, and so if you're playing the, the Knights, you could like, go in and hit him and back up and hit him back up and kind of keep doing that just trying to survive. But then that only works so much. Yeah. But then, then the demons could just go for the elders, I guess. So that strategy doesn't necessarily work. The knights are wanting to use their shields. Um, So the elders primarily have the, have their minions that they're going to be calling on and they'll command minions. And when you have a minion, essentially it's like extra actions. It takes an action. Mm -hmm. Generally it's an action to summon a minion but the minion gets a free action every round. So if you summon a minion and it lives for more than a round, then you picked up an extra action. Yep. So either that means minions are good because you get free actions or the other team's minions are bad because they're getting free actions. Mm-hmm. So especially with the, with the demons, that's a, that's a big part of their play. With the knights, a big part of their play is all about defense. They're able to use some of their cards to build their defense value. As long as they have defense value, they can reduce the amount of damage they're taking. Plus, they can defend for another character. So if you attack a um, if you attack an elder, so with some exceptions, but if you attack an elder and they're like adjacent, the knight can spend some of their defense to first 
make them the target of the attack so that all the damage goes to them instead of the elder. And then they can use their defense to reduce it. And the, the demons then want to try and be targeting people that can't be defended or splitting them up or essentially trying to pin them. So sort of like you would do for in, in chess-type moves where you say, look, you can either defend this side or this side, but not both. So you go defend your king. Well, over here, I'm going to go take out your queen and what you going to do about it. <laughs> yeah. This sounds like a fun game. I I believe it is a very fun game. Mm -hmm. I think that part of the only concern I have is maybe for some of the squishiness of some of the cards. So here's here's an example. The Wind Knight is one. Uh, I I think it's the Wind Knight or... uh, we got which one it is, but I think it's the wind knight. Um, But for example, he, she, excuse me, has the ability to defend any, any ranged attack from anywhere and can just hop in and start defending it no matter where it is because they're very fast. So if it's not a melee attack, they're able to do that. Many of the, so that makes a lot of sense if you're using one of your icons, but if you're using a magic spell, which is, hey, deal damage to another guy. Is that melee or is that ranged? And the rules don't say with complete clarity, and it's not clear. And also Uh sometimes it's not perfectly clear. So what happens if you have one that says, attack people in both your spot and an adjacent spot? Melee or ranged? And some of that becomes not clear. So that's just an example of where there's a little bit of squishiness with the rules. You can start, and I think they've tried to address some of that in the FAQ, in in the uh, frequently asked questions file yep. on it, and they were trying to add more, but it just makes for a little bit of learning for the game to, or perhaps adjustability to try and make things make sense when you're trying to interpret the rules. Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting. Um, it's a little disappointing. I don't like facts. I hate referencing facts. A lot of times I just don't bother looking for them. Yeah, I Unless think I'm really, just, really confused. I think if you just rule that what makes sense makes sense, it's fine. Yeah, okay. But it's not completely... It's it's a 1v1, theoretically. That's how I play a lot of it uh, when I'm playing with my son. It's a 1v1 game. And if when you're having a 1v1 game, you kind of want to be like, hey, I'm winning not because my interpretation was favorable to me, like I'm winning because that's what the, that's what the designer intent was or something like that. So I, mm-hmm. because it's a one V one and not a soul again, that's what I do. But I will tell you, I didn't start looking things up until I started playing when I was just playing all the solo stuff. I just was like, well, I guess that's how that works. And I just did that. And that was perfectly fine for me. Yep. Once you're playing against somebody else, it kind of does make a little more difference, doesn't it? So, yeah. so you kind of told us about the the standard game, which is two to six players. Correct. There's two modes that support solitaire. There are cooperative and campaign. So let's hear Correct. about those. So when you're playing cooperative, you no longer have the ability to play as demons. Um, okay. You only play as the knights, which I think is probably better because the knights have a more interesting gameplay curve to them with the demons. It's very much all about go kill things fast, but the knights have 
a lot more, I feel, strategic gameplay to them because mm-hmm. they're trying not necessarily kill things. They have to defend. They have to make sure that they're covering their bases and they can plot and plan and make sure that everything is protected. So I, I felt like between the two sides, for me, the Knights was more interesting. And if they had to pick one of them to automate to one of them to play as, I think they picked the right side. Okay. Um, that being said, you only play as the Knights. And the demons are going to be controlled by a deck of cooperative cards. And what will happen is that every time it's another player, you'll deal two cooperative cards and flip one over to be essentially a less powerful action and leave one side regular to be a more powerful action. Then they'll do both of those things. Um, Those actions kind of feel like a player was hamstringing themselves and being able to only play three powerful main actions from the regular cards because they're powerful things. They can just entirely wipe out a character if it connects. But on the other hand, sometimes it just doesn't connect Mm. and it feels kind of a little funny. Like the demon did a shadow cloud over on the other side of the board. Well, I was like, um, you missed. (laughs) Yeah, so so they compensated um, l- lack of uh, intelligence for for just extra power. A little bit of extra power for lack of intelligence. Yeah, not not too too much, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can push some of that by adding a little bit of extra bonuses to them by giving them extra victory points and reducing the strength of the elders, things like that. So if it it gets a little bit too easy. There are variants it is that you can do to make it a little bit more difficult. Okay, yeah, I like that it's easy to adjust the difficulty just by, like you said, just uh, giving one side or the other more experience points already. And well, I mean, it's not experience points. It's reducing the or, strength of the elders or giving extra imps to one side or extra golems to one side. But yes. Extra, okay. extra bonuses for one side or the other do make it much easier to adjust the difficulty. So once you're getting much better, there's a, and I think they call it uh, a desperate variant. Normally it's fear and <laughs> weevil. Now it's a desperate variant. You, you're you coming in and bad stuff has already happened. And yeah, that, the, the, des- the desperate variant is in fact harder. I had not lost before I did the desperate variant. Oh. <laughs> and then when I did the desperate variant, I'm like, I have nothing to start with. And I feel overwhelmed from the beginning. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. So yeah, it gave them, gave them more targets. I think that, well, the, one of the things that the desperate variant is, is that half of the elders start damaged and it says that you get to choose. And, I felt like if I get to choose, I'm just going to go put them all on one side. So instead I alternated and that made it harder because that means that there's there's targets everywhere. There's already wounded people all Mm -hmm. around the board. And so there's a lot more running around that I had to do and to protect everyone. So that's all. So essentially the campaign mode, you play exactly the same. You just no longer are trying to account for a human intelligent player. Instead, you just run a phantom player who has bigger swings, but sometimes those swings miss. Okay. But now you said the campaign mode. So this is no longer the cooperative mode. So no, that is the cooperative mode with the okay. campaign mode. 
Um, it's essentially, it, it is the cooperative mode with a couple extra twists. So with the okay. campaign mode, the game w- comes with a whole map and a campaign sheet. And what you'll do is you'll start on the map and you'll trace your way along the map and pick a, a location on the map to go to. And you'll pull open the book and you'll read out in the map what that thing does. And it may be an encounter where you get to make a choice like rescue person or do you, there's a dark, scary cave ahead. Do you want to walk into the dark, scary cave or do you want to go somewhere else? Mm, Um, mm -hmm. Type of questions. And being that we're heroic knights trying to save everyone, if there's danger, of course we're going to run blindly in. Oh yeah. Right in. (laughs) Exactly. So some of the, the, the choices were of similar type of nature. Some of them were, I mean, I didn't really feel too strained for any of the choices. Some of the times it was just, Hey, I want to see what this does. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them have fights and those fights will work with essentially it's like a variant of the main fight. Then in the main fight, you are always fighting with a three by three grid and you always have all of the bad guys and they're trying to score points with this one. Instead, you're just trying to kill the demons. There's a lot less defending. There are um, elders in these areas that you want to try and rescue because the, the idea is that there's elders now, instead of all the elders being only at the main uh, cathedral, their elders spread around the whole village. And so your goal is to go rescue all the elders and villagers. And so for every elder you rescue, you're getting more points. So you're trying to rescue the elders, not because that's how you win, just because you're trying to get more points to get a cool score at the end of it. And these and so with this one, the way you win is not by lasting and defending. You must kill to win. There's going to be two or three or four demons that'll come out, two at a time only ever. But sometimes they'll have like uh, reinforcements. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole goal in these mini battles is kill the bad guys. Send them back to the demon pit they came from. And you'll have, if one of your knights dies during this one, although you get a new knight, that knight is fallen. And you only have nine of those knights. Uh, So you have health across all of them, but some of them can die. Among other things that you'll have, you'll also be having uh, elixirs, which is essentially a full life heal that you'll be getting. And so you're trying to get those so that your guys don't die. But if your guys die, then they die. (laughs) And that Mm -hmm. is a way to lose the campaign is if all of your guys die at the final battle. It's not just enough. You don't just sit there and win. Uh, It's not a matter of letting time pass. You don't have to be completely defensive in this one. You have to defeat them. You, there's going to be seven demons. You have to defeat six of them. And in mm. order to def- and they win again, still, if they're killing all of your elders. So you have to be defensive to prevent them from getting to their goal. But your goal is not just being defensive. You have to balance between defense and offense to be able to do well. Mm-hmm. 
Hopefully, you picked up enough power-ups uh, along the way. You, I mean, I, you've mentioned power-ups, but that is absolutely true. Along the way, you will get relics and you will rescue villagers, mm-hmm. which will give you power-ups that you get to use along the way and in the final battle. So, yes, okay. I hope you get enough power-ups. <laughs> Neat. Does the campaign feel replayable? Like, do you visit all the places in the map each time? or Like, so, you said there's prompts, but... There are prompts. There are prompts. There's 28 locations that you ah, get to visit. And it takes one time to visit one, and you get 18 time to use. Now, theoretically, you can use that 18 time to walk faster. I, I question <laughs> why you would... Final fight. Yeah, I question why you would want to do that, because like time is... You're using time to get something interesting. So theoretically, you want to have... 17 encounters along the way um, to the 18th and final one on set 28. But that means that a max 10 places you won't be able to see in a single game. Theoretically, if you want to see all of them, you can play through twice and be able to see all of them between the two. My, my issue was that the campaign felt it's much longer than the regular co-op game because it's essentially the regular co-op, plus like 10 battles, 10 mini battles before it. So it felt really long. Yeah. It sounds like something you do over a couple of days or something. Yes. And um, now I made the mistake for the first time of just sitting down and doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like me with a choose your own adventure game. <laughs> yes. It, that kind of like that. It's it's essentially takes on Mage Knight-ish levels of length. It was a four-hour process to play through it. So yes, it's really long. It took me Mage Knight length of time. And the first time I got it, I, w- I was very excited to play through the whole campaign. And so I just sat and went through <laughs> the whole campaign. Um, I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> okay. The unlike Mage Knight, it can start to feel pretty samey playing through those battles. Uh, yeah, just just don't. There's a reason why it's got pen and paper. If you're not doing it on a shopis, just use the pen and paper and write the stuff down and don't play a four hour session. Mm-hmm. Or don't play on Shavas, yeah. yeah. Didn't Mage Knight get kind of samey too, though? I seen uh, it's been there. a while. Okay. Okay, well. Anyway, we're not talking about Mage Knight. That's not no. coming back to the table. <laughs> Probably it's not. Never been to my table, really. Um. So yeah, I think that the campaign oh. though brings a lot to the cooperative because with the cooperative, you're having to play defensive, and it's a lot easier to just play defensive and hold the line when they're not being quite as intelligent. Now then. When they're playing cooperative, they, there's a rule that the first thing they do is they're trying to attack undefended elders if they can. So they're cry, trying to attack, you know, opportune shots just like a regular player would. Um, but it, it's ob- that is an obvious thing to do, and they still won't manage it all the time. Whereas it's definitely not got the level of concern that you do with a regular player about being able to highlight and watch out for the correct pot shots that they'll make with that one it's a lot they're just dumber that's really what it comes down to is they're just dumber but when you're playing the campaign mode by adding the extra lever of get more points 
if you can do well with how many elders you get. So you got to rush fast and you have to explore well, and then you have to kill things in addition to not just holding back and staying defensive. It can't always be about, Hey, I'm going to spend all my time just being defensive again, getting a high defense value and just making sure I can last through whatever they hit me with. You have to actually go and kill them. You have to spend some of your time with a second campaign goal. I felt like that really mm-hmm. helped add an extra lever that makes the solo game much more enjoyable to play. Okay. Interesting. Now so that could is- be because I played the campaign first before I played the uh. co-op the level without it. And it just yep. felt like it was missing something for me. Okay. So the, so you think that the campaign game is something you'll play more than a couple times? Yes, have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there we go. Are the, so subsequent games, you just played the, you played it over a couple sessions then. Like, oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yes, we did. Do the, do the mini fights feel satisfying also? Like, how do you do that? Do you say, well, I'm going to play a, one mini fight today, or do you just say, I'm going to play five, or how does that work? I, mean, I sat for down you. and played for an hour, and however long it took. I have a game table, so I just paused. Okay. Literally I'll in the middle of a battle more. at one point. Oh, that's harder. <laughs> it's harder to come back from. But okay, so yeah, so you could just play mini campaign and a half or two of that, whatever it ends up being, and then move on. And that a, mini, a mini battle? Yeah, you could. Mini it fight. depends on how much there are. Some of the mini battles are larger than others, uh, both okay. in terms of space and the amount of people you have to kill. Like some of them have only two. I think maybe you know, none of them take just one, but some have only two. Some have four. So it really depends on which one it is that you're fighting. Some of them have four. Like, I think the smallest they get is five five tiles out and some of them have seven or eight or maybe even nine. Okay. I'm not sure that I've, I'm not sure that I've seen all of them. Ah, okay. Cause I just try and wander around some. Yeah. And I know some of them only fully open up spoilers. Some of them only fully open up. If you do things in a certain orders, like you have to go here and then come back here and then go there to get to a fight sometimes. So that gives you more replayability there too. Yeah. Yeah, and I have not I have not pathed all the things that you can do. Huh, okay. That does sound neat. I like how they did that to unlock more content that way. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have been nicer to have it be in, like the the map is a little clunky, especially because you walk somewhere and you do it and there's numbers all over the place and there's all sorts of different things you can mm-hmm. get. Mm-hmm. So, it's I mean, I don't really need to choose so much if I want to move this way or that. I kind of would have preferred just shuffle up a deck of battles and encounters and just draw from those or even something like um, Slay the Spire, for example, where it's just a map of (laughs) encounter battle and, and then you just move around like that. And mm-hmm. okay. I, I would have preferred something like that instead of a big open map because most of the time I'm like, Oh, Oh, it's, it's an encounter. I meet a dude. Hi dude. Okay. I'm done talking to you. Did I get a battle? No. Did I get a battle? No. Cause the battle is the fun part. Like I want <laughs> yeah, to yeah. play the game. I don't want to read about where well, there's a dude here who says he's drunk and he needs to go find his other drunk friend because his other drunk friend is like too stupid to realize people are dying and screaming and murdering everywhere. <laughs> now he's just over there on the boat being like, 
I'm on a boat and I'm drunk. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're not the game. Yeah, no, play the game. Yeah. And I'm surprised it doesn't just have like here uh random mini skirmishes you could play whenever you want. Just set this up. I mean you just like, play the game if you want to do a random mini skirmish. You just play the game. That's, that's what the true. cooperative game I guess, is. I guess that's true. <laughs> The, the random mini skirmishes are are mini. They're easier. I feel like if I set up a random mini skirmish for someone, they would probably be less satisfied because okay, it's easier, shorter, faster, quicker. But if you only have half an hour, you might want to do something like well, whatever. Start a campaign. I mean, yeah, start essentially start a campaign. Or if you only have like if you only have half an hour, go play a game that's set for half an hour. <laughs> like no offense i don't need to play a shorter version of a game that's meant to be bigger like play the game right. or yeah, play a different game that's right what was i thinking that doesn't and, make sense no, i mean the game only takes like an out. hour the game only takes an hour anyway yeah it's not a, it's not a huge game it doesn't sound like it's a huge game it doesn't sound like it's big complicated setup either because there's not really that many components there's 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 two decks. There's a deck for the good guys and a deck for the bad guys, right? It's not like each. Yeah, just take shuffle. Yeah. Okay. Just shuffle up. Shuffle and go. It's very okay. much a shuffle and go. Does not take a lot of time to set up at all. Okay. You'll spend more time pulling out a demon than being like, which of these standees matches? <laughs> That's the hard part. Okay. Well, all right. This sounds like a cool game, Julius. This is really I, fun. I mean, I don't think it's come through enough, but I'm going to say it explicitly. I like it. Okay. It, it it is what sent me down into that spiral we had of skirmish games, because <laughs> it's so fast paced, and every time every time I'm taking an action, I feel like I've taken a big swing and I've done some big cool magic spell, and then they do something back cool to me. I'm like, well, now what? Uh, this bing, bam, mm-hmm. bing, bam, and that's and that's how it feels to me playing through it, and I really enjoy those big dramatic swings. I would not enjoy them if those big dramatic swings were breaking up my whole formation and everything I'm doing. And like, now I'm like, Oh God, well now what do I do? They just, they threw a bomb. They wiped out all all of my infantry six units and I got nothing, but it's never true that they can blow up all of my guys. And then what I'll mean to do is I'll be like, bam, here's my next big cool dude. And he's going to come over here. He's going to flame sword all of your dudes. And I never feel like my momentum is, too stopped by what it is they're doing. I continue to have my own momentum and keep flowing through and all my momentum is cool and all their momentum is cool and all of it's cool. <laughs> that does sound fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm surprised I had not really heard of this game before you mentioned it to me a few weeks ago. Well, I'm glad to be able to tell it to you and recommend it for you, Albert. All right. I think you should Thank play you. it. Maybe I will. I think they have a demo available on Tabletop Simulator too. I don't think I have that. I may have that. Okay. I'll have to check that out then. Yep. Well, all right, Julius, and thank you. Um, I, I don't have any clever things to say on the way out, so, you know, good night. Well, I think I think night has fallen on our discussion now, Albert. There we go. All right. Bye, everyone. Until next time. <laughs> have a good night, Albert, <laughs> and you should just let me do the cute, clever things at the end. Yes, yes. I agree. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.